We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our preview of the NFC East and NFC South continue today. We got pans, picks, over-unders, and a whole lot more here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We are decked out in Rotowire paraphernalia today. My golf shirt, his t-shirt, and hat. I mean, we didn't coordinate this too. We just we just linked together there, buddies for life. We're gonna go golfing sometime together, actually, and that'll be good. Uh, looking forward to those days. Um, Nick, how have you been in the last hour? What's what's been new with you? Well, I was just telling you, Jeff, it's been a grueling hour, uh, you know, not talking football with you after two hours on the XM show this morning. I was just pacing around my house, pacing around the backyard, frantically waiting uh, for the NFL podcast to begin. But uh, we got two really fun divisions to break down, the NFC East uh, and the NFC South. So let's dive right in. huh? All right, let's do it. Uh, Start with the Dallas Cowboys, won the division last year. They have the highest total for the division. At 10, using the DraftKings Sportsbooks. That's what I'm using for uh, all of our over-under totals. Good good note, though, especially with something like futures bets. Shop around. You're going to find different totals. And you can go to Rotowire, actually, in our in our uh, sports betting tab under football. We got four different sportsbooks. We got DraftKings, FanDuel, Bet, BetMGM, and PointsBet, all with their uh, total bets. And you'll saw, every once in a while, you'll see some variation there. And, of course, you should try to middle it when you can. You should try to find your best odds. If you are big on an over on a team, find a one with the lowest total. Um, unless, of course, you're getting like the, the juices against you, which is often the case, too. So you have to make that calculation. But point is, you can shop around. Let's talk Cowboys. Okay, busy offseason for them. Amari Cooper is now in Cleveland. Uh, Michael Gallup's not going to be ready for the start of the season. He came out and said he won't be ready for week one. And if he's not ready for a week one, it's not like he's guaranteed to be ready for week two either. Uh, and they just had another injury on this uh, wide receiving core. Uh, James Washington is hurt. And he's out long term. So it's C.D. Lamb and dot, dot, dot. Let's start on the wide receiver core here. Are, are you are you boosting up Jalen Tolbert considerably with this news? Noah Brown, anybody else catch your eye? Yeah, I mean, considerably is, is the operating word with, right. with Tolbert. I, I definitely – Boosting up, I don't know that I would go as far as to say considerably uh, for, for a player who's yet to play an NFL snap, but this is an offense that was really productive last year. You know, when, when Dak Prescott is healthy, this is always a team that's more than willing to throw the ball around. They want to be explosive. They want to score a bunch of points. And, you know, it's a, it's a team that still 
I think is the king in this division, a division that has two teams that we don't think are, are all that good in the Giants and the Commanders, and then an ascending team in the Philadelphia Eagles, but one that still needs to prove that it's better than the Cowboys. So losing Amari Cooper, pretty huge. You know, I, I think we've we've talked about him in the context of the Browns, and he, he goes from a, a really good situation to one that, given what's going on with Deshaun Watson, is very clouded, but he leaves behind a, a, a pretty big hole. You know, still having CeeDee Lamb, he's the future at the position for Dallas. That's the biggest thing, but with Michael Gallup injured, with James Washington going down, like you said, it's Jalen Tolbert and – you know, for as long as Gallup is, is out or limited, I think it's almost more interesting to talk about who's going to be the number three or four guy in this offense. Because, again, this is a Dallas team that that wants to throw the ball. That's always near the top of the league in terms of attempts and yardage and touchdowns when Dak is healthy. So, you know, we can pencil in CeeDee Lamb as a wide receiver one. But beyond that, there's going to be some some fantasy value to be had here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you push up Lamb into the end of the first round? Is that one of the things you'd react to? Is because he's got a range of anywhere from six to twenty. ADP is uh, closer, like fourteen. So early mm-hmm. second round is where he usually goes. With this news, are you bumping him up? Maybe say over Stephon Diggs or over another one of those wide receivers out there, or over Travis Kelsey? You know, I, I don't know that I would bump him above any of the guys who are currently ahead of him in ADP, I, I don't think, and part of that is just how strong that group is, you know, Jefferson cup, chase Diggs, Devonte Adams. I think those guys are, are pretty solidified uh, right. Diggs versus lamb. Maybe gets a little bit interesting just because I, I think, I think Diggs is the better player and I, I think he's in the better situation in Buffalo, but the bills also have other options and we're not really sure about what the Cowboys have beyond CD lamb. So it's kind of a, a force feeding situation uh, that makes you like CD lamb more. Now, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the, the injury to, um, I'm completely blanking out, the injury to Gallup and, you know, the uh, James Washington. Yeah. Are, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that to me, you know, makes me like CD lamb definitively ahead of someone, um, you know, like a Debo Samuel, but I, I still would debate, you know, like Mike Evans versus CD lamb, even though there's some, there's some separation in terms of ADP. I mean, they're going like seven spots apart in underdog drafts. I mean, Mike Evans has just been such a touchdown machine, especially uh, right. over the last few years. And he's in kind of a, same, a similar situation with Chris Godwin kind of being the Bucks version of what we're experiencing with Michael Gallup right now. So long story short, I, I still view CeeDee Lamb as kind of on that tier two for me, or maybe even tier three, if you want to say that Cup, Jefferson, and Chase are their own tier one. Yeah, and I would. I, I, that's the way. I, I think they are the big three, and then there's the next four. You know, and yeah. I kind of look at it like that. Maybe next five, depending on where you put Samuel and Evans. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd go Diggs over Lamb, too. Um, without a whole lot of hesitation, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a pretty comfortable one. I do Adams over him, too, also. Uh, even with, you know, this change to, to a lesser quarterback, perceived at least lesser quarterback, and maybe more, ma- more mouths to feed in the Raiders than the Packers, which is an odd thing to say, but I think it's true. Uh, yeah. but I, I'd go that route too. Uh, Jalen Tolbert, all of a sudden he's I mean, almost by default, he's stepping into a starting role. Now I think it can be a trap to kind of use default as a guy. Cause there's always someone, it could be Noah Brown that steps in. They're talking about Pollard getting reps as a wide receiver. Um, there are things that could happen, but I do want to have a few shares of J- Jalen Tolbert. Absolutely. Me too. And, and he's somebody I've been you know grabbing at the end of best ball drafts. Um, and it's important to remember too, that they do have, not a star tight end in Dalton Schultz, but an ascending, you know, well yep. above average tight end in Dalton Schultz. So this is another one of those teams where maybe overall you're a little bit uninspired by the receiving core, but then you remember, oh yeah, it's not just staring at the wide receiver depth chart. It's also taking into account 
the tight end position, which which Dak has, has you know been a fan of um, you know uh, targeting over the last couple of years. So I, I think it's important to mention Schultz, but I, I mean Tolbert's the guy for now, right? I mean if you're if you're drafting someone like Noah Brown uh, and beyond that, you know you get into names that feel like made up players. Um, you know if, if you're drafting somebody like that, it's it's kind of a total dart. Whereas with Tolbert, at least we have a couple weeks now worth of positive reports from camp. And, you know, even before James Washington went down, you know, there was talk of Tolbert maybe even emerging as that number two guy right. uh, if Michael Gallup is slow to begin the year. Yeah, and it's not like Gallup's done for the year. It's just he's not going to be ready for the start exactly. of the year either. So uh, you're not going to get that weekend week out necessarily. Uh, the offensive line is not the same. Lyle Collins is now a Bengal. Uh, so they're carrying on Terrence Steele to be their starting right tackle. We'll see how that works out. Uh, but you know, the, the fact is, I mean, you know, the, you know, they, they're, they're, they're looking for a lot from him. Now Steele is not a, a rookie, so it's not like he's totally breaking in as a pro, uh, but it's something to watch for there. This is, this is a Cowboys offensive line. It's always been considered a super strong aspect of it. They got a rookie in Tyler Smith. That's going to be, uh, perhaps starting at left guard. How's their run game pro, uh, project this year for you? You know, I'm still a Zeke guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I still, I still think it's just kind of uh, he, he's become a compiler at this point, where he, he's he finds ways to stay healthy week in and week out. You almost find yourself being a little disappointed at, at some of the you know the game log type of totals, but then over the course of 16 or 17 games, you're going to be pretty satisfied with the result that you get. And you know, it feels like we're going into yet another year where there are a lot of questions about what's the split going to be between Zeke and between Pollard, but. At the end of the day, Jerry Jones loves Ezekiel Elliott. The Cowboys love Ezekiel Elliott. Even if he's fallen off uh, a bit from you know his absolute peak at the start of his career, he's still really effective, and he's still somebody uh, that I'm more than comfortable having as an RB2. But when it comes to the offensive line, you're totally right. I, I think this is a unit that is still coasting on reputation from now like four or five years ago, and a lot of those guys are, are either not the same player, they've moved on, they've been injured. Uh, it, it's a lot of new blood there for, for a right. unit that I still think, you know, when you think Cowboys offensive line, you know, you're thinking like that mauling unit from 2018. That's not really the case anymore. Yeah. Over under 10 wins for you. I'm going to go over 10 on the Cowboys. This was a 12 win team last season. Uh, they swept the division. They went six and zero in the NFC East. Now th- the schedule is not super fair, favorable, especially at the top. You know, you start with Tampa Bay in week one, Cincinnati in week two. So, you know, it could very well be an zero and two start for the Dallas Cowboys, which would of course, uh, you know, send panic throughout the organization. But, you know, you get two against the Giants, you get two against the Commanders, maybe you split with the Eagles. That's five wins right there. Um, you know, they get they get the NFC North this year as well, out of division, uh, and you get the AFC South. So you get the Jags and you get the Texans. You feel really good about those two games. You, of course, feel good about the Bears and the Lions. So at the end of the day, I, I think this is probably, I, w- I would, if I had to pinpoint it, I'd say they're an 11 and six team. Maybe they get to 12 and five again. Okay, and so that that would be an over, and you know it's on DraftKings it's minus one ten on both. Uh, it, it's interesting on FanDuel it's ten and a half, and it's still minus money on the uh, on the oh it's minus money on the under. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that's interesting. And BetMGM yeah. it's even it's also ten and a half. It's same with points bet, and it gets an increasingly more amount of juice uh, as we get to the, each successive sports bet sports book there. All right, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. Philly, uh, they are at nine and a half on uh, DraftKings, which is it's a notch below the Cowboys. Uh, in fact, they're nine and a half across the board, which is a little interesting. I like the Eagles this year. I, I think I like what they did to invest in their team. They do have that elite offensive line that we're talking about. And if you saw, they found their identity second half of the season last year 
and became this road grading team and we ran the ball a ton. It may not have showed up in like fantasy stats necessarily, especially in terms of like rushing touchdowns for the running backs, but this is a team that can clearly run the ball. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like you said that they are at nine and a half across the board, but you're going to see different, you know, different numbers uh, on that nine and a half, but they're all universally shaded toward the over. So right. there's a lot of optimism going on around this Philly team right now. Uh, you, know, you look at the schedule, pretty, pretty friendly to begin the year. They, they get their, their out of division opponent games against the saints, the Steelers and the Cardinals, all very winnable games. Um, you know, maybe you go two and one in that span. So I, I think there is a lot to like, about Philly this season. And, you know, they, they do certainly seem like an ascending team. They make a big splashy trade, bring in AJ Brown uh, to, to, you know, desperately infuse talent into a receiving core that, you know, it's just a lot of kind of draft and fail situations. You yeah. think about Jalen Rager, who last week was, was talk, being talked about as a trade target. They seem like they're maybe ready to give up on him already. A guy that a lot of teams love coming out of TCU in the draft. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a, a lot to like about this team. Great offensive line. We've talked a ton on the XM show about touchdown progression for a player like Miles Sanders, who just kind of had a weird anomaly season right. last year. Um, you, you have a, a nice stable of backups behind Sanders, uh, but ultimately it comes down to Jalen Hurts, right? And it, I, I feel like we're, we're it, you're kind of speaking in cliches when you talk about Jalen Hurts, but it really is as simple as if he could take the next step toward becoming one of those elite dual threat quarterbacks, the Eagles are going to be a really good team. If he still has the same shortcomings as last year, They'll probably be a wild card team that that loses in that wild card game again. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, one of the big buzz things in training camp is that Kenneth Gainwell is gaining on Miles Sanders to get maybe not the start. He won't be the starter, but he's getting. I think the phrase was uh, a high, in, disproportionately high number of high leverage snaps in training camp. Uh, I think that was in Mario Puig's job battles article that was up on the site, so you can see that. Um, point is, I think Gainwell is ahead of Boston Scott. If you're looking yep. for the the backup to Sanders and. Maybe a guy that steals even from Sanders gets some goal line carries. That might be something you look for there. The Miles of Sanders experience was extremely frustrating last year. No touchdowns, so that was documented. Piled on some yards at, late in the season, but he also was a guy that was in and out of the lineup due to various injuries. Yet I find myself still taking him here and there. I, I like Miles Sanders. I believe the skills still remain there. I think he's not going to ever be a goal line back, but I don't mind some like taking a chance on him in PPR leagues in particular. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm with you on that. I, you know, my, my stance all along has not been like, you know, a, an overly analytical one. It's basically been, I just, he's just not going to take 400 plus snaps again and not find the end zone at least once. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's just kind of a, uh, you know, a, a bounce back type of philosophy with him. And, you know, that report that, that Mario noted, not super encouraging, you know, obviously you want as many goal line carries as you can, especially for a back who struggles to get into the end zone. But at the same time, I, I think he could essentially replicate last year's yardage totals. And if you tack out a few more touchdowns, uh, maybe two through the air, four or five on the ground even, which isn't too much to ask, um, I, I think you view his season quite a bit differently. So with this offense, I think taking a step forward overall, being uh, you know having, having an actual threat at receiver other than a rookie last year in Devontae Smith, I think that's going to do wonders uh, for Jalen Hurts, for Miles Sanders, just opening things up. But I, I'm curious to talk about that receiving core with you, yeah. um, you know, AJ Brown right now, if you look on NFC, he's going as a 12th receiver uh, right behind Keenan Allen and Michael Pittman. And, you know, later on, you're going to get down to Devonte Smith. He's going as the 37th receiver. I I'm not going to argue the order. Obviously AJ Brown, you know, has the, has the credentials to be a number one guy, but 
to me, I, I still think there's a lot to like about Devontae Smith. And I find myself snapping him up in like the middle, late rounds, you know, to be a, a third or even fourth receiver. Um, you know, this is a guy that like, you know, measurables, he's never really going to, to blow you away. He's right. not super fast. He's, he's not super strong. But I, I loved like the Marvin Harrison comparisons that he drew coming out of college. And he just it's it's hard to describe. He just finds ways to get open. And we saw plenty of glimpses of that last season. Yeah. I wonder if the Eagles are a team that's not especially good at developing wide receiver talent. They've invested a lot of draft capital, yeah. starting with J.J. Ortega downside, uh, going to, you know, then Rager. And now you've got uh, Smith and now they're traded for A.J. Brown. That's that's a lot of resources dedicated to improving that position. So at some point, you know, yeah, maybe it's the player every single time, but I'd like to see, you know, and there's nothing against Smith, by the way. I like Smith. Uh, but it, it, it's like some point the organization has to be kind of responsible for this. You know, we didn't even mention Nelson Aguilar, our first round pick. How uh, dare we not? I mean, I, I think that's kind of, you know, Jordan Matthews the year before that was a second rounder. They, they oh, yes, 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 exactly. Yeah, they, I, I had to turn on uh, or turn off safe search just to look at their uh, their draft history here at the receiver position. It's it's pretty checkered. You're right. It's not and, as bad as the Pats, but it, it's it's pretty bad in terms of draft uh, draft, uh, draft results. Uh, over under 875 and a half yards for Devonta Smith in terms of receiving. That's a, that's what the the prop you get at DraftKings. Take the over the under on that. I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna go over. He he went over that as a rookie. Obviously, bringing in AJ Brown. You know, you assume that some of mm-hmm. that yardage is is siphoned toward him. But I I, I think he's a really really strong number two. And I, I think the AJ Brown addition. I haven't heard one thing about Devontae Smith all offseason. You know, I, I think this is a guy that won the Heisman Trophy as a receiver two years ago. I, I think there's big time potential here. Um, but, you know, you know I, I do think his body is going to kind of prevent him from ever being viewed as a true number one. But maybe that's his destiny in the NFL is he kind of flies under the radar as this like perfect number two guy behind someone like A.J. Brown. And he, he's easily affordable in drafts. Uh, ADP is 75 in the month of August in the NFFC. Uh, the range of 60 to 103. So I yeah, mean, you he's going can right get... about the same spot in, in underdog leagues as well. Yeah. So very attainable. And if you want to build an Eagle stack with uh, Hertz and Smith and, and, and even AJ Brown together, the three of them, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and going back to that win total uh, to put a bow on the Eagles, I'm going to go over. I think we got to follow the money here. There's a reason every sports book has this pretty heavily shaded toward the over. Um, yeah. You know, you get two games against the Giants. You get two games against the Commanders. That's huge. And here are their first four games, and only one of them is a divisional opponent. At Detroit, home against Minnesota. At Washington, home against Jacksonville. I mean, that wow. Minnesota game is probably a toss-up, but again, you get that one at home. The other three, you should probably win. I, I think you go into each of those games expecting to win. I mean, there's a, a very plausible scenario where this team is three and one, or perhaps even four and zero oh, going into Week Five. I, I think you're right. Um, and I think it's noteworthy that, you know, one of the tool, the tool that we have on RotoWire, you can place where you can see over under win totals on four different uh, books. All four of them have them shaded to the over. So uh, I think that that's pretty uh, illuminating right there. So over on the nine and a half wins for the Eagles for both of us. Fly Eagles fly. Let's move on to the New York football giants uh, where the expectations aren't nearly as high. Uh, that, you know, we've got them as a team that is coming off a new cut, co- got a new head coach in there. We, you know, the rot might be getting cleared out, new GM, new head coach. Uh, we still have outlandish expectations for Saquon Barkley and Danny boy, uh, Danny dimes as uh Chrysalis loves to call him, um, among others, uh, Kadarius Tony is getting some love and some drafts. And I still think this team is, uh, as a, as a while's away. 
Same here. I, you know, seven is the win total that you're going to see at most books. There, there is a little bit more variance here. Yep. Um, you know, the Giants are a New York team. Maybe there's some public money that, that, that moves this up a little bit. They're at seven and a half on Vandal. They're down at six and a half uh, at, at bad MGM, seven and a half on points bet. So, you know, you can kind of choose your number there, but man, I mean, the, the schedule is, is not like overly terrible. You know, your, your wild card uh, non-division rotation games, you get, you get the Panthers and the Seahawks as two of those. So that's a nice break, but I just, I, I don't really see where this team took a notable step forward this off season. I, I don't know if, if, you know, you're, you're viewing them as like a, you know, everything went wrong last season. It can't be as bad as that again type of situation. But I mean, this team was really, really bad in, in virtually all phases of the game. And it's like, yeah, Kenny Galladay could bounce back. You know, you should get more out of Kadarius Tony. Hopefully Saquon Barkley stays healthy, but there's just not a, a lot of excitement on this team. And, and if you're not a Daniel Jones believer, which, which I'm not, I don't know how, I mean, if you're going over on seven and a half wins, like I, I don't think this is an eight win team. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I just, I just don't, uh, you know, we've seen teams have quick turnarounds, uh, yeah. we, but it always starts with the quarterback. It, you know, it, you, it's really hard to have that quick turnaround with a quarterback you don't believe in. And I don't believe in Daniel Jones. So, I mean, I believe in the historical Daniel Jones. I believe in his existence as a, as a human being in a carbon based form of life. But I don't really buy into him being an NFL starting quarterback either there. You know, you start off at Tennessee. Now, that could, they, could, they could surprise everybody. You never know. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee could spit the bit. We've seen that happen before. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I, I think that uh, we've also seen them lose at home to the Panthers. You know, home is not a fortress for the Giants or Jets. And I think that's another problem, too. Uh, the New York fans will turn on them if things are bad. Uh, maybe not that early, but yeah, maybe so, too. So we'll see. But, yeah, I, I'm with you in sharing your lack of optimism about that. Saquon Barkley, I mean, all reports are he's looking good so far in camp, but it, it's hard to, you know, it's hard. You don't want to buy too much into camp reports. You don't really want to get too crazy about that. No, not at all. And, I mean, he should look good, right? Like, we know he's a really good player. It's not like this is his first year. Right. Um, and nobody, you know, like, if he's healthy, he's one of the best backs in the league for sure. The question is, like, is that ultimately enough to really change your fortunes? Right. right. And I don't I don't know that it is. I mean, this is a team that, you know, since going 11 and five all the way back in, in 2016, they've had three wins, five wins, four wins, six wins, four wins. And, you know, I, I know Barkley has been either not on the team or has been injured for a lot of that time. <laughs> but, I, you know, it's 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 not you know 1985 anymore. Like having a star running back doesn't just get you 10 wins. You know, like I, I don't know right. that I don't even know that if Saquon Barkley plays all 17 games, like what does that ultimately work? Maybe plus one plus two wins. Um, yeah, it, it's to, to me, it's, 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 it's much more of a fantasy storyline than a, how successful will the giants be in terms of win total storyline. So let's talk fantasy storyline. Average pick now is 14 in the NFFC range, but you know, early, you know, his early picks are like late first round and he'll drop sometimes at the end of the second for the most part there. Mm-hmm. What's how many spots does he have to drop until you, Nick Whalen are going to spend your draft capital on him? Oh man. Man, it's obviously it depends on, on where you go, like with your first pick, you know, if you get a running back, maybe you're leaning more toward receiver. I, I, I kind of try to say, like, you know, if I'm set on taking a running back, you know, where where does he become the guy that I would take over the guy below him? I mean, he's going ahead of Aaron Jones. I would definitely take Aaron Jones over him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I would even take Kamara over him, um, you know, kind of a, a similar but different set of concerns as far as how many games they could play. Sure. I think when you, it, for me, it starts with like Saquon Barkley versus Javante Williams. Saquon Barkley versus Leonard Fournette. I would take I would take Nick Chubb over him. 
uh, even though I know they're separated by a pretty big gap. I, I don't really know what explains uh, the, the fall for Chubb uh, over the last couple of weeks, but I don't know. We, we've kind of talked to Liz about, you know, Barkley and ETN, like for some people, those there may be a little bit closer, but I, I think I would, the answer would be if I'm trying to count up running backs, I would probably take him as like the, the 12th running back for me. Mm-hmm. Is that too low? No, it's not. Um, I can see it. I, I, you know, Chubb in a PPR league versus Barkley is a tough call because Barkley did catch 90 passes his rookie year. I, know, I mean, that, I know. that that's was the, five years the tantalizing ago. upside. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's just even I mean, he's played 13 games twice since that rookie year when he had 91 catches. And, you know, in 2019, the following season in 13 games, he had 52 catches last season, played 13 games, had 41 catches. So it's not yeah. like he was on pace for for 90 again. But That's also true. But you're totally right. I mean, you see it. All you have to do is see it once. And even if there's been three full seasons since then, you're always going to cling to something like that. Like, we know it's in there somewhere. Yeah, specifically with Chubb, too. I think he's fallen because, you know, the quarterback situation looks like it's now all of a sudden not going to get better. Um, and um, it's just he doesn't catch passes. Although, And sure. you know, we, we had the, the, the three-day holdout or hold in. Uh, by Kareem Hunt, that's that appears to be over. But uh, who knows what that that thing that changes? You know, I I like Chubb. I think he's a really good back. I I think I agree. I think I would probably take. I think you know I don't know. I might take Barkley ahead of him, but it's enough that's like a coin flip. And Javante Williams is in that conversation too. That's right about the sweet spot there. Mm-hmm. I take I I agree with you. I take all those guys over Fournette. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think that's probably how I would I would come down to it as well. I mean, like I said, I think the toughest question is Javante Williams versus Saquon Barkley for mm-hmm. me just just because I mean for Barkley obviously it just comes down it, it's, it's like 90% injuries 10% this offense is just not good you know even even when healthy last year the yards per carry uh, was really really ugly we've seen teams you know do like comical stacks uh, you know to, to slow down Saquon Barkley you know make Daniel Jones beat us he hasn't proven that he can do it um, I, 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 I admire people like Chris Liss who are, are more than willing to buy in on Saquon Barkley and you know it, you're, you're going to get him at a discount. If you think that he could be, you know, even a, a top six running back, you're going to get massive value on him this season. But I, I'm willing to be one year behind on that one. I, I really am. Yeah, me too. Uh, pass catching, catching core. Kadarius Tony is the guy that's getting drafted, even though he uh, earliest among their pass catchers. Um, he's dealing uh, with, he's limited right now in training camp. He's uh, held out of 11, 11, 11 on 11 drills yesterday. Uh, he's got that knee issue. He's had, multiple issues uh, so far as a pro in just one season. Mm-hmm. He also has flashed crazy upside, but can it fully be achieved with the Daniel Jones offense? I, I don't think that it can personally. Um, you know, I, I also thought it was interesting that on the XM show earlier, you know, Chris just kind of dropped a casual, like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know if I buy into his maturity. Um, you know, that's not exactly a newsflash for anybody who's followed right. him. Uh, who's followed Tony for the last year, but you know, we're also only a few months removed from reports that the Giants were close to moving him this yep. offseason. And I, that seemed primarily motivated by, you know, how he was, you know, comporting himself uh, around this team. So that's always a concern, especially especially on a team that you don't expect to be very good, right? You know, like it, a player like that, you, you can kind of see a situation unraveling if you start two and seven. Um, you know, there, there's not a, a ton of, there's not like a hierarchy of, of guys to keep this, you know, to keep him in line. There's not really expectations. Uh, it's a volatile situation, but like you said, he's flashed the upside. I mean, that game against Dallas last season, that was kind of all people needed to see uh, to, to know that he has that in there. But um, I, I don't really find myself targeting Kadarius Tony at all. I, I would say at cost, I, I don't really consider it. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I, I'm, I'm 
similarly not really going after Kenny Galladay that much, although he's at least you're getting you're getting the big discount on Kenny Galladay. Yeah. Uh, I might actually I, I I might take a chance on him. I mean, he's at 125 right now among uh, all players on the NFFC among wide receivers. Where does that put him? It puts him. I mean, it's it's. He, that that's a bench wide receiver. I mean, that that's, that's the thing. I mean, you get a pretty, pretty good discount in Kenny Galladay wide receiver 54 in the NFFC. So you can get a pretty good discount. Now he was limited in OTAs. He obviously was hurt a ton last year as a big flop, but I mean, he's still nominally their number one wide receiver. Yeah. hundred percent. And he, I mean, he fits the bill. He, he looks like a number one wide receiver, big physical, uh, fast, strong guy. I mean, he's somebody that I, I loved in Detroit. I mean, going back 2019 when he had that 1,200 yard, 11 yeah. touchdown season, um, you know, it wasn't a great situation in Detroit, but he also had Matthew Stafford throwing him the ball. And, and it's a pretty huge downgrade uh, from, from Matthew Stafford to Daniel Jones. And, and certainly that played into, I think, part of his downfall last season. And, and what was, I mean, one, one of the biggest busts, I, I think, in all of fantasy, especially if you're just talking about the receiver position last season. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, it is. Any other Giants notes before we move on? Uh, I, I would go under on seven wins. I'll say okay. that. Uh, apologies to list, but I'm, I'm going under on seven. I just, I, I don't think this team really made any improvements. And I guess the one other note I would, I would throw out there for fantasy is we didn't even consider mentioning the tight end position. I, I think this is of all 32 teams. I think they maybe have the the worst or most unknown, uh, you know, you know, position group. Right. Tight end. Uh, Daniel Bellinger currently predicted or projected to be the number one tight end. Uh, you know, I, re- I just read this morning that Ricky Seals Jones has been really disappointing so far. Uh, it it seems like that position just might be a non-factor. Yeah. Anytime a player has a full sentence as his name, you just don't draft him. Yeah. Almost uh, always. So, yeah. It's a good, it's a good rule of thumb. Washington commanders. Uh, they are sitting at eight in the DraftKings Sportsbook in terms of uh, win totals. Uh They've got a new quarterback in Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, by the way, there's a lot of variance on the uh, the Commanders' uh, win totals. I want to call them the Nats, by the way. I guess it's just yeah. call them the football team. I don't know sure. what call them Washington. I don't know whatever you want to call them. Well, I wanted to start by asking you, like, have you struggled with this? I guess maybe based on that that intro, the answer is yes. But I feel like we were, we we were kind of uh, indoctrinated into this already by having to call them the football team last year. So I'm already like predisposed yeah. to thinking twice. Oh, yeah. I, I don't call I them what their myself. former name is at all. It's never, that's never an issue. Exactly. Yeah. I just think I, commanders I is the a dumb. In, in years, but um, I, I think I almost preferred football team. I mean, I know this discussion has, has been, been had so many times already, but yeah. um, I also think it's one of those things where fans always overreact, whether it's a team name change or a Jersey change. And then like halfway into the first year, you totally forget about it. Like people hated the Oklahoma city thunder as a name. I remember people said like, this sounds like an MLS team. It sounds like a WNBA team. It's got to end in S you know, if the team's good, they'll forget about it right away. Yep. That's absolutely right. So unfortunately we don't really have any guarantees that this team is any good. Um, <laughs> no, we do not. Yeah. Let's start at quarterback. Carson Wentz is the guy this year um, is Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, before that. Um, you know, they, they just, and it was barely that Taylor Heineke was mostly the guy last year. They did draft Sam Howell out of North Carolina. I think there's a scenario there where Howell ta- ends up taking like the second half of the season snaps with this team. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this team, you know, could mirror the Pittsburgh Steelers in some way where you, you kind of have this like forced veteran option uh, who, who you don't love, but you know, your rookie is not really quite ready. And if the team, you know, if that guy either disappoints or the team is just, you know, going nowhere fast, 
you have no reason not to try out somebody like, you know, Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh, or like you said, Sam Howell uh, here with Washington. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because there's not really a ton of draft investment in Sam Howell yet. If you follow the NFL draft, this was a guy that is recently as like a few months before the draft and certainly, you know, heading into his final season at North Carolina, people thought, you know, he was in contention to potentially be the number one overall pick. So even though he went in the fifth round, there's still a lot of name value with Sam Howell. Yeah. And he lost so much talent in his last season at uh, Carolina there too. I mean, you know, he had first round buzz as a, you know, he had 38 touchdown passes as a freshman, but you know, a lot of good talented players went pro and he stayed behind last year and you know, that, that definitely hurt. So he dropped all the way to the fifth round. I mean, he also runs. He's a little mobile, too. I don't know why we're spending so much time on Sam Howell, but I just find him very interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to be draftable now, but not even in most dynasty leagues unless you have, like, mega deep benches. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, uh, let's talk about some of the uh, pressing fancy issues. Terry McLaurin uh, did get his big contract. Uh, congrats to him. Uh, you look at his projected uh, – or his if you want to look at bets for him over under receiving yards, it's actually pretty uniform across the four. 1,000 yeah. yards, basically. Yay or nay on him? I love Terry McLaurin. Uh, So I I think I'm going to be a yay by default. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, the Carson Carson Wedge situation uh, is inherently extremely worrisome. I I think if it it got to the point where Sam Howell is starting games, that's probably not a great sign for Terry McLaurin's yardage prop. Um, And I I also think – I may be talking myself into the under here, but I also think the Washington pass catchers are are pretty underrated as a group. You know, you get almost nothing out of Curtis Samuel last year. Uh, now he's back practicing. I, I love the Jahan Dotson pick. Everything around that has been positive so far. Um, for me, it's just it's just about the quarterback situation. And, you know, obviously with Wentz, there's just going to be an, an insane amount of volatility. But I, I will say we talked to Alan Soslowski on the show earlier today. Before he threw out that trivia question about Carson Wentz, I would not have guessed that Wentz got to 27 passing touchdowns last year. That, that's more than I would have thought. Right. Same here. Um, well, part of it is, I mean, he didn't miss time. You know, yeah. I, I think some of that, that that's compiling numbers. You know, if you think about it, it's still a touchdown and a half passing touchdowns per game. It's not overwhelming. It's 17 games. He played all 17 games. So, yeah, I mean, there, I, he was okay. I mean, think about it there. He had the touchdowns, but only 3,500 passing yards despite 17 games. And he's no yeah. longer the same mobile quarterback that he really was with the Eagles. Even, you know, even when he was with the Eagles, he really wasn't as mobile as I thought he was either. Uh, 215 rushing yards. That's okay. It's not statuesque, but at the same time, it's not Jalen Hurts either. Yeah, I, I guess just comparatively, like I would not have guessed that Carson Wentz had four more touchdowns than Derek Carr or five more touchdowns than Mac Jones, you know, other guys who played yeah. all 17 games. It, it just felt like – and maybe it was just because of how the season ended against Jacksonville. Um, it, it just right. felt like the narrative was so negative um, that, that you know, he wouldn't have gotten that to, to 27. But – his start to the season, especially, I mean, first nine games of the year, Carson Wentz had 17 touchdowns and three picks. And the rest of the way, I mean, the final eight games, he only had 10 touchdowns and four picks. So, I, I mean, based on where he was at the midway point, it looked like that experiment was going to pay off. And then, uh, of course, things came crashing down. And I, I think we're to the point now with Wentz where does this feel like it, it could be the end of the line for him, at least as a starter? Um. It's, it's definitely a put up or shut up year. It's probably his last best chance. And if he puts in a good year, then he gets three more. If he has a bad year, he's done as a starter and he's now an Andy Dalton. Right, exactly. But, you know, the, the thing with, with someone like Wentz is you're always going to hang on to that draft pedigree, right? Like when you're a top three pick, 
that stays with you for so long. There's always going to be that team that believes, you know, it could be the one that, that, that makes it click. But right. yeah, if, if this one, if this season goes down, you know, I mean, if, if they finish with like five wins and he starts most of the year, I, I think that'll probably be it, especially because, you know, I mean, the Colts like kicked him out. They like kicked him off the team essentially the day after they lost, you know, it's not yes. like, well, right. he tried his best. It didn't work out. It's like, he's the reason that this happened. Yeah. That was definitely like with, with a lot of uh, of feeling attached to that there. Mm-hmm. It was not just, a, oh, we're making a, a change. It's like, no, get out of here. You're gone. You're not welcome. Turn in your keys and playbook or something like that. But yeah, yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty harsh. Um, running back is unclear in Washington. Gibson's nominally the starter, but Brian Robinson might take away goal line carries. J.D. McKissick might take away third downs and other passing downs. Uh, you know, He's a guy whose draft stocks tumbled over the course of draft season. Now you look at it, but he's, he's still the starter, though, Nick. He's, he's still the first guy that gets drafted among Washington running backs. He's still, you know, he, he's someone, though, that you're getting a lot cheaper than other starters on various other teams now. Yeah, I mean, he's going as the, the RB23 in NFC contests, and there's still a huge gap between he and McKissick. You know, this is not a right. – Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson situation where they they could go like back to back in drafts. Like there's there's concern about Antonio Gibson's role, but then there's still a huge gap down to McKissick and then a little bit lower Brian Robinson. So it it feels like the combination of McKissick and Robinson are, are what what is worrying people about Gibson, not necessarily McKissick specifically. Yeah, and Gibson might actually have some health issues too that people are worried about. I think that's part of it. Uh, we even saw you know in training camp he's been limited at times, so. I get it. I get why there's reason for concern. He's he's fine now. He's clear to go. He, he's no issues with the hamstring so far in training camp. Uh, he had the, those setbacks in, tra- in like OTAs and mini camps, but that's no longer the issue now. Uh, compare him some versus other running backs in that range. So two below him is Josh Jacobs, a guy that's caused much consternation uh, in the last week or so. Well, I, I would have said I would take Josh Jacobs as recently as as a week ago, but you know now that situation seems to to potentially be deteriorating. Not not a lot of optimism there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean Eli Mitchell, I, I think is somebody that I, I like more than Gibson. They have almost the exact same ADP in NFC, just separated by a couple of decimal points. I, AJ Dillon is going three picks, three picks, excuse me, ahead of Gibson. Uh, you know where I stand on AJ Dillon. I like him considerably more. Uh, that yep. that to me is not really much of a debate. I would say pretty much every back that's going ahead of him for me definitively should be going ahead of him. I mean, you could have the debate about Mitchell Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Devin Singletary, um, you know, Edwards, Alaire. he's in that category for me. So for me, it's clearly Mitchell ahead of that group. Um, and yeah. actually ahead of AJ Dillon and JK Dobbins for that matter too. And maybe even ahead of Montgomery, who's no longer mandatory. Um, it, it might be, uh, Minimum compliance Montgomery pretty soon too, but I, I like Mitchell enough. Uh, you know, they, they keep on saying he's clearly the number one back uh, in San Francisco. I, a clear number one back in San Francisco is something I'm very interested in. A clear number one back if he can stay healthy, absolutely, no question yeah. about that. Uh, There's an extra. Is, that's the caveat, of course. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, let's let's return to the Commanders' win totals real quickly before we move sure. on. So, eight wins at DraftKings, eight and a half at FanDuel, seven and a half at points bet and, and bet MGM um, eight and a half at FanDuel. That, that seems really high. Uh, you know, as much as I, I like a lot of the offensive pieces, you know, we haven't even touched on Logan Thomas who's working his way back uh, mm-hmm. from a torn ACL. We're not sure exactly when we'll see him, uh, but there, there's a lot to like about this offense. I, I think the defense, you know, the defensive line went healthy, uh, we'll, you know, Chase Young, we'll, we'll see when he's back, but 
I mean, that unit could be really good. So I, I don't think it's outrageous. Like I, I like the commanders definitively more than I like the giants. Uh, but you know, at this, it's hard for me to see this team having a winning record. You know, if you're, you're taking it over on eight and a half to me, that's a pretty big leap of faith. Yeah. Um, you'll pay dearly for that privilege to bet the under on FanDuel though. Minus 170 is the big yeah. on that. So you can see where it's coming from. And that's why it's really interesting to see the range here. It, it You get like, there's two that have it seven and a half bet MGM and points bet. You get plus money on the under there, slightly negative money on the uh, negative money on the over. So eight seems like it'd be a nice little sweet spot there, but nonetheless, I'm taking the under on the eight too. Um, I, I just, I'm, I'm that much of a skeptic. I think this is a team that they could start tuning out their coach. If things go badly, I think this is Ron Rivera's yeah. last stand. I think we're going to know early on about this team because they, you know, they luck of the draw, they get the Jaguars in week one. Uh, so that'll, that'll be a showdown. Yes. Uh, and then they're, they're at Detroit in week two. You know, those are, those are two games. Like I, I, with every team, I try to count up, like how many games does this team view as very winnable? And those right. are definitely two of them. You know, I think it's Jacksonville, Detroit, Chicago, they get Houston as an out of division wildcard game. Uh, you get Atlanta, uh, you get the giants twice, and then you get Cleveland and that could be a Cleveland team without Watson. So I think those are their eight winnable games. Um, and then obviously there are other ones where you could surprise and, and grab a win, but if they start 0-2 with losses to Jacksonville and Detroit, I, I think you're I think you're right. I think this thing could deteriorate uh, around Ron Rivera. Yep. It's interesting. Uh, kind of like Baltimore-Cleveland last year, they have back-to-back games sandwiching a bye week against yep. the Giants. It's it's really uh, it's an odd bit of scheduling to play the same team twice in a row, but uh, here we are. Uh, before we move on to the NFC South, let's take care of a little bit of business real quick. Uh, do you love fantasy sports, but are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a Dynasty of Champions? Sign up now at DynastyOwner.com and use promo code ROTO5. That's R-O-T as in Tom, O five to receive five dollars off any new team hey this is jeff erickson here with nick whalen we completed our nfc east tour let's instead move on to the nfc south and start off with the tampa bay buccaneers who are tied with the bills for the highest expected win total at 11 and a half at least according to the folks at DraftKings. uh it's a big number there nick very big number for a team that has a, a really tough schedule overall the the nfc south this year draws the NFC West and the AFC North as out-of-division opponents. So, you know, no no real easy games when no. you're talking about the AFC North, um, although Pittsburgh and, and Cleveland could be a little bit down. And then the NFC West, you know, at least three of those four games are, are really challenging, and, and who knows what Seattle will end up looking like. So, I mean, right. beyond that, Tampa Bay also plays the Packers, the Chiefs, and the Cowboys as their three non-rotational games. So that's – I mean, that's about as bad as it gets. So with all that in mind, I mean – you know, there's, there's still seven to one to win the Super Bowl. They have the second best odds behind only Buffalo. I, 11 and a half just seems a little too high. Like I, you know, there, there's a lot to like about this roster. They're clearly the class of the division. I, I get all that, but just given the schedule alone, I mean, getting to 12 wins is going to be really difficult. I agree. I agree. Uh, new head coach, uh, Bruce Arians is out. He is retired. Uh, someone argue forced out. He and Brady didn't necessarily click Brady, you know, retired for a brief moment and then Arians bowed out and Brady was back. So that was an interesting set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. Gronk has remained retired through so far. 
seems steadfast that he's not coming back, but not everybody believes that. I still saw List drafting him with like the last pick of his draft, but a lot of people say he's retired from training camp. We'll see. Uh, what you know, but there, there's a lot going on with this team. There's there's health issues galore. Mike Evans just dinged up his hamstring in, in camp on Friday, one day after I drafted him. Of course, Chris Godwin is coming off a torn ACL. Uh, you know, he didn't. He's not on the pup list. In fact, the news on him has been good. He's actually been practicing with the team the last two days, full speed routes and everything. So it's possible he Nick he might miss no games after a lot of people were thinking five or six games. Yeah, it's it's very possible and and almost seeming likely at this point with with all the positive news that we've received on Chris Godwin. Um, you know, luckily this team did bring in a uh, an Iron Man in Julio Jones. You know, so if if Evans and Godwin <laughs> this time, at least you could fall back on on Julio seventeen games Jones. Uh, but you know, it, I, like the the win total is one thing. Uh, like I would I would bet the under on that just because I think the number's too high in the schedule. But do you think that this is the second best team? in the NFL, or at least the best team in the NFC by a decent margin based on what those Super Bowl odds would imply. Yeah, I didn't see the actual Super Bowl odds. I only saw the win total odds. I didn't look that far, to be honest. I'm sure it, I get, you could, it's easy enough to pick up. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that there – honestly, I think there's not much difference between the Bucks and the Rams. Um, I wouldn't think they're clearly better than the Rams. Rams are in a tougher division, much tougher division, I feel like. But although Seattle is going to be down this year – uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I see that. I, I think the division is a big part of it. I, I think that's a good point to bring up. And, and honestly, I mean, the Packers even have better odds than the Rams right now. And right. the division probably plays into that as well. I, I think a lot of it is just, you know, make sure you're in the field. And, you know, if you're Tampa, the, the way things break in that division, you're, you're almost guaranteed to be like a top four seed. And that gives you a big advantage. Whereas the Rams could have a successful season and still finish second in their division, you know, and, yeah. and then you're, you're, you're looking at a tougher path. So, I think that's a lot of it for Tampa Bay. And, and obviously the defense is going to be good. Uh, we have a few more questions on the offensive line, but I, I think it should still hold up. And, and even without Gronk, uh, you know, who knows if he'll be back late in the season. You know, for me, that's not like the biggest fantasy consideration uh, unless he comes back, you know, very early on. Um, but, you know, Cameron Bray, Kyle Rudolph, that's probably enough to hold it down. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I don't really like Cameron Bray. Uh, that much. I'm going to go on the record saying I, I'm not going to have them in any teams. I think they signed Rudolph for a reason because I don't think they mm-hmm. love Cameron Bray that much. Although they did sign him to that extension a year ago. Uh, they drafted Kate Otten too. So I think that they're they're looking for an improvement in that, at that spot. I think they probably knew about Gronk. I don't think they were surprised about Gronk. I mean, he spent a fourth round pick on Otten. He's kind of probably block a, more, a lot more this year, uh, the rookie out of Washington. But uh, I, I, I'm not going to be touching him. I do. I just drafted Evans uh, into the second round. I like it, that range for him there. We, we extolled his virtues a little bit earlier. What about God, Godwin? Are you taking any chances with Godwin so far? You know, he hasn't really fallen into my arms uh, a whole lot. I think I have him in one best ball draft where I, I got him around like pick 50 or so, I want to say. And, and I was fine with that. He's somebody that like last year I had a ton of Chris Godwin. And, and right. in one league where I, I did well, that was a big reason why. Um, you know, I, I think he was still – for a lot of people, it's somewhat of an unknown unless you're, you know, you're really in the weeds. You know, a lot of casual players were not going out to grab Chris Godwin. Um, but I, I think it's gotten to the point where there's enough positive news that I'm, I'm willing to to go in and, you know, knowing that maybe he could still miss week one or week two. Uh, but like, he's just a player I, I really enjoy watching. I think he's, he's super strong, super physical, great after the catch. And, you know, if Mike Evans, you know, this hamstring injury that he's, he's dealt with similar issues in the past, 
if he gets banged up at all and, and Chris Godwin spends three to four weeks over the course of the season as a number one receiver, I mean, you could be looking at a few huge individual weeks. Yeah. Wide receiver 30 right now goes right behind Jerry Judy, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Rashad Bateman, right ahead of Elijah Moore, Michael Thomas, and Amari Cooper. It's an interesting range of wide receivers there. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And, and that's, you know, part of the reason that I, I keep kind of going back to, you know, like you don't have to necessarily reach for a, a great receiver early on. Obviously, if you can get your hands on any of the elite guys in round one, you do it. But I keep finding myself gravitating, you know, in like the fourth through sixth round toward running backs. who I, I don't even love that much, but, you know, kind of the Miles Sanders types, like someone who you're like, all right, he'll just be a decent RB2 or RB3 because you just feel confident that you can continue to get really good receivers well into the 60s, 70s, 80s in a lot of these drafts. Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, I just take that extra receiver. I guess that's the way I, many yeah. times. I mean, although I didn't in this last draft, but because I got A.J. Dillon uh, earlier than I would have otherwise. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting way to uh, kind of look at this uh, core here. Um, any thoughts on uh, Julio Jones on uh, the rest of the Tampa Bay receiving core? Russell you know, Gage, with, with guess, Julio, obviously we, you know, we, we joked about Julio Jones missing games. I, that's probably not going to turn around this season, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, he's in a great spot. I, I think he's kind of in his Carmelo Anthony phase at this point where, you know, he could, he could kind of jump around and, and sign these one year deals. And you're always going to say like, Oh my gosh, the LA Lakers have Carmelo Anthony. This is crazy. Yeah. Then you remember like, Oh yeah, he hasn't been good in five years. Uh, so I, I think we're getting there with Julio. Although I do maintain when he's healthy, he's still, he still looks like a force, you know, he's not 2012 Julio Jones, but you know, he's, he still looks good out there. It's not like he's, you know, he's not running a four eight or anything, but you just know that that hamstring or that foot or that ankle is always going to be bothering him. Um, you know, I'll disagree slightly on Cameron Brait. I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you need to be drafting Cameron Brait, but yeah, the touchdown totals have always been there. Even, even yeah. well before, you know, it's like, he's, he's really never, um, other than 2020, he only had two touchdowns that year. And a big part of that, you know, was, was OJ Howard and, and Gronkowski um, still found a way to get in the end zone four times last year. And I, I can't believe this, but I, I actually looked this up as we were talking on Stathead. He is 23rd in the NFL in receiving touchdowns since entering the league in 2015. Like he has more touchdowns in that span than Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, AJ Green, Hunter Henry, uh, hmm. Mark Andrews. Obviously some of these guys haven't played that long, but He's, he's kind of sneakily getting in the end zone year in and year out. Yeah, maybe not a bad best ball item. I just, uh, a guy, you know, you're tight end too. Uh, and you're getting a late, late end guy there. Just don't want him yeah. as my starter. Well, I, I buy your logic that they brought in Kyle Rudolph for a reason. I don't think you, I don't think you make an acquisition like that. If you feel great about camera break being yeah. your, your number one guy, the great Kyle Rudolph, uh, who we should, speak his name with all the respect that it deserves uh any interest in uh rashad white maybe as a uh counter to leonard fournette are you are you do you have are you how do you feel about fournette for that matter too i I always have a soft spot for fournette of course you know given where he began his career Mm -hmm. um and i honestly i'm really glad that the way things kind of felt like they bottomed out in jacksonville I'm, i'm glad that he bounced back and it's kind of become this like lovable nfl character out of nowhere and you know 69 catches Last year for, for over 450 yards, did only have two receiving touchdowns, but um, I, I still think there's, there's some room to grow for him. Right. I mean, he had a almost 1200 yard season in Jacksonville in 2019, you know, only got to 800 yards in 14 games last year. Uh, I'm, I'm in on Fournette. I mean, at, at cost, I'm in on him. I'm, I'm certainly not reaching for him, but happy to grab him. I mean, where's he coming in, in in terms of running backs? I mean, he's kind of in that same 
territory that, that we talked about um, earlier in the pod. So he's, he's the RB 13 right now in, in NFC leagues. I th- I would still take Chubb over him, but you know, Fournette versus Connor versus ETN is an interesting debate. You know, Fournette was like a get to the playoffs league winner type of guy. He uh, was. Maybe not in the playoffs itself. I think he was dealing with a little bit of being banged up a little bit, but you know, I, I understand from that standpoint of having a soft spot for him. I feel like there's some gravity, uh, per, perhaps uh, uh, some potential that's just going to naturally drag him down a little bit. So that's where I probably am not going to get him until unless he drops like the middle of the third. That's just where I'm at with him, which usually doesn't get him. There are leagues where that that's the case. You know, max pick is 30, but I'm not going to spend an early second round pick on Fournette, especially when we, there's, there's other backs that we discussed. I guess if running backs get cleared out, then I'm probably taking the receiver. Uh, I'm probably that's where I'm taking Evans, for instance, um, <laughs> yeah. which is exactly what I did. Yep. No, I, I think that sounds right. And, you know, we can always throw out the the caveat of, hey, it depends on your league. But uh, no, I, I think everything you, you said is, is spot on, um, you know, happy, happy to land them at the right cost, but not somebody I'm, I'm running out to grab. Yeah, I think if like Pittman is, is taken and even Keenan Allen, who I'm lukewarm on, but, you know, still probably belongs to early third round. Mike Williams is gone. A.J. Brown is gone. Higgins is gone. That's where I start looking at. Then I'll take Fournette instead. So there's a universe where I take them. It's just it doesn't happen that frequently. Uh, Before we move on to the New Orleans Saints, quick note from our Blue Wire sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Every podcast that Rotowire does is on the Blue Wire Network. We're happy to be with them, and we thank them for their support. The New Orleans Saints have a new head coach in Dennis Allen. 
Uh, they have a lot of uncertainty here, whether it's injury, whether it's new guys in new places or rookies. A lot of things going on with the Saints. Win total for them is eight and a half only. Um, for a team that's come in consistently good throughout the years, I feel like that's a little low, Nick. I do too. I do too. You know, I, I don't know if they're, you know, factoring in the the move away from Sean Payton, who of course yeah. is universally considered, you know, one of the best coaches in the league. I, I you know, I, I understand that if that's the case, but yeah, I mean, it, it just feels like under under Sean Payton, you know, anything could go wrong, and they would they would always find a way to at the very least. Uh, be a, a really tough team for for anybody to play kind of the same the same type of thing that we talk about with the Steelers uh, but it's eight and a half across the board uh, at, at all the books on Rotowire and some are shaded towards the under and, and some are shaded towards the over like points bet is minus 120 toward the over bet MGM minus 120 toward the under so yeah I, I think that paints a pretty accurate picture that for the first time in a long time we just don't really know what to expect from the Saints yeah I think they're set up pretty well for a decent start at the Falcons they get the Bucks in week two, but keep in mind it's at home, and they traditionally have played the Bucks better than almost oh, anyone when Tom Brady's been there. At the Panthers, which was a tricky game for them last year, home against the Vikings, home against the Seahawks, home against the Bengals. That's a lot of home games there. Uh, so they they could be four and two, five and one coming out of those first six games. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think you, you would think that you win the game at Atlanta and at Carolina early on. And, and like you said, like the most difficult games during that stretch are all at home. So, you know, even, even though Tampa Bay is the, the better team, you know, you kind of have to throw the records out every time these teams play, uh, you know, Seattle, that looks like a, a much more winnable game than in years past. Uh, the, the, the schedule overall though, is not super friendly. I mean, all of their easy games or their four easiest games are all in division uh, against Carolina and Atlanta and, you know, the non-divisional rotation game, so non-NFC West, non-AFC North, come against the Vikings, the Raiders, and the Eagles. And, you know, all those are formidable opponents. So when you start to dig in, I, I guess the eight and a half makes sense. But, yeah, my, my first glance is, uh, of course, you'd go over on that, but it, it's a tough bet. Vikings, Raiders, Eagles, those aren't like, those are good games, good opponents, but not like, oh, there's no way they can win that either, though. True, true. But I don't know that there's a single one that you say, yep, chalk it up. That's a guaranteed win. You know, sure. it's like if, if you go not. two and one, that's great. Yeah. And that's, that's about what they need too. And yeah. it does get really tough in the second half. Uh, week 11 versus the Rams. Week 12 at the Niners. Week 13 back again against the Bucks. They have a really late bye. Week 14. Falcons, Browns, Eagles, Panthers to finish. Uh, so that's not so bad, especially because the Falcons and Panthers are both home. And those could be like coaches playing out the string at that point in time. Um, it could be, uh, although Arthur Smith's probably, and, and barring an absolute disaster, is probably yeah. okay. But point is, um, it, it's it's viable. Um, at Eagles in Week 17, it's not so great. But uh, cold weather for a dome team, that's not so great. Let's move on, though. Let's talk fantasy. I mean, the big question you start off with is Alvin Kamara. I mean, how early are you willing to draft him? You know, we, we keep talking on the XM show about this, you know, the, the court dates being pushed back. And I, I it's starting to look like it's a pretty real possibility that this is something that affects him in 2023 and not this season. And, you know, there's a, I, I'm kind of jealous of a lot of the people that were able to get a huge value on Alvin Kamara over the last month because we're, we're starting to see that ADP climb and climb. And now he's, he's RB12 right now uh, on the NFC. And, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of weeks, you know, he's, he's really close to overtaking Javante Williams for that 11 spot. Um, you know, Kamara versus Aaron Jones, I think becomes really interesting right now. I, I would still lean Aaron Jones just because of these, these lingering concerns with Kamara and the fact that, you know, we, we talked to Greg and on the show today, 
he brought up that he thinks Aaron Jones could be the Packers, you know, leader in, in receptions this season. Could be. He's not, he's not the first person to say that. So it's, it's not like, you know, it's not just about Alvin Kamara having some off the field issues. It's also Aaron Jones, you know, could be really good this season. Right. I, I would take Kamara over Saquon Barkley personally. I think I would too. And keep in mind, Kamara is a top five guy uh, absent the suspension concerns. And the problem is we just don't know. I, I hate to speculate on this. We don't even know how the NFL will treat him as say if, it does get forestalled. I mean, it could do the, the Watson thing where he's on paid leave. I mean, there's a lot of different ways this could go. So, uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I've been chicken little with him and now I'm kind of in your boat. Uh, I'm kind of regretful that I have been because of this there. Cause I, I think now odds are pointing more in favor of him not getting suspended during the season. I mean, it's, it's not a slam dunk by any means, but uh, it's now, you know, you draft him late second round. Okay. Well, that's fine. I can do that. I, I maybe even mid second round. Uh, wide receiver wise, Michael Thomas has had two lost seasons. He's looking good so far in camp. He's off the, not only up the, off the pup list, but he's at full speed. He's doing full practices. You know, all signs are like full seam ahead with him. Yeah. It could not have been more positive. I think since the start of camp with Michael Thomas and I, I still, I don't think I have a single share of him yet. And it's not that I'm necessarily avoiding him. It, it just kind of hasn't happened yet. The, the way that the, the chips have fallen in these drafts, but the, the more positive news we get, you know, the more, He's running routes at full speed, has no issues at all with the ankle. I'm, I'm going to be willing to buy in. And it, it's a similar argument to what we just talked about with Camara, where, I mean, if you're getting Camara at the end of the second round, like there's not many running backs you're getting at, at that spot uh, that you could definitively say, like this guy could, there, there's a path to him being like the number two overall running back in fantasy. And I, I don't know that Michael Thomas's upside is that high anymore. I, I think right. you know, losing two years is a big deal. And there's just so much talent and depth at receiver. Like, even in a best case scenario, is Michael Thomas going to have a better year than Cup, Jefferson, Chase? Like, probably not. No, I don't think that's right. going to happen. But for a guy who you can get as the 32nd receiver in NFC drafts right now, it's like it's, it's certainly conceivable that he could finish at the top 15. Right. Uh, over under on yardage on DraftKings and points bet, they both have a line. It's 800.5 and 799.5, respectively. Uh, no, no significant juice on either side of that for either bet. But, uh, you know, that, that's a pretty reasonable number. I mean, now, granted, you don't you don't get any benefit, any bonus if he plays fewer than 17 games. Right. You, you lose the bet if he doesn't play. But um, and that's that's a factor in the line, of course, too. That's what that's all factored in. But seems mm-hmm. to me like you'd be willing to bet the over if you were in the mood to bet a prop. Yeah, I mean, this one is 100 percent games played. Like if he plays 16 or 17 games, he's easily going to clear that yardage total. Uh, sure. It's just a matter of, of whether or not, you know, if, if he tweaks his foot in week four and, and that's that's the end of the line obviously you're going to lose that so if you're someone who's really confident that he's going to stay healthy i think you should hammer that because when he's been healthy like his his like baseline season has been like 11 1200 yards yep the one i'm hammering is if i have the capability of betting and i'm in a locality that allows me is chris Olave. uh DraftKings has got him at all the way down at 719 and a half bet mgm is at 774 and a half so that tells you that, that there's a range there um, I, I'm huge on Olave. I, I think he might be the best route runner among the rookie wide receivers yep. among the very best at beating man to man coverage on the outside. That's the thing I look for a lot. Um, I, I learned that from Matt Harmon from reception perception, a good site. You should check that out when you get a chance, but, uh, Olave, I mean, he checks all my boxes. The only thing that I worry about is just target share, but yep. I, I think he gets enough to make it well worth your while. Yeah, I love Olave. Super, super smooth. I mean, one of those guys who even at, you know, watching him as like a sophomore at Ohio State, you're like, wow, who is this guy? 
Um, you know, does, doesn't have a crazy body or anything. He's just, he just really finds ways to get open. And um, I, I think the question is like, could he, could both he and Michael Thomas go over in the same season or is, is Olave's success tied to Michael Thomas either not being himself or getting hurt? Yeah, I, I think it's more tied to Jameis being able to carry two right wide receivers, and yeah. I think he should be able to. Now, there's three. I mean, there's Jarvis That's Landry the thing, also. Yeah. Um, I'm not really worried that about Landry. Maybe I should be a little bit more, but I'm not. Um, I might be worried about Jameis. Tweaked his ankle today. I haven't seen anything in the last hour on that, but uh, – you know, that, that's something to watch for just a little bit to see like if it's that bad. It's actually not his ankle, it's his foot. Um, after initially saying he rolled his ankle, you know, he's coming back from a torn ACL. I, I'm going to watch this one here a little bit there, but because uh, foot injuries can be a big, can be problematic. Yeah, I, I would say that's classified as bad news that this initially looked like a sprained ankle and now they're saying foot. Um, yep. that, that's not ideal. We'll see. Uh, I would also say it's not great news that there hasn't been a, a follow-up, you know, indicating that he's fine. You know, that's, that's been the case with so yeah. many, so many of these scares that we've had so far, um, you know, guys getting carted off the field. And then an hour later, it's like, Oh yeah, he was just cramping. Uh, this does not seem to be one of those situations. So it's important to note we're still over a month out. Uh, I, I think Greg said on the show today, we still have 34 draftable days uh, before the regular season. Uh, so there is still time, you know, it's it, it, obviously if this is something really severe, that doesn't matter, but, um, you know, even if he sprained his foot, you would still have a good four to five week runway, um, you know, where, where you feel okay about him at, at least being back to himself. So not panicking quite yet. Yeah. If he was Michael Scott and he cooked his foot, I might be more concerned, oh, but yeah. uh, you know, other than that, it's fine. Um, Adam Troutman full, is your starter. Taysom Hill, full-time tight end now. So if Winston can't go, it's Andy Dalton, as you mentioned, Hey, good to know Andy Dalton exists. Yeah. Ian book still on the roster as well. Yes. Uh, so, you know, they, they'll have a choice to make there. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, a good spot. You know, I, I said on the XM show, like if you're Andy Dalton, just follow Jameis Winston around, like wherever he signs next, just go be his backup because whether it's injury or, uh, you know, on field downfall, there, there's always going to be uh, some sort of heat on Jameis Winston. Uh, so, you know, if, if this foot injury turns into be or turns out to be something more severe, at least you have a pretty solid fallback in Dalton. Yeah, he's not exactly. going to go out there at this point. He's not going to go out there and like win you a game but he's also not going to lose you a game. And I, I think a team like New Orleans found out firsthand what happens if you're not prepared, uh, which was the case for parts of last season. Exactly. Exactly right. Uh, let's move on. Let's move down. Let's go to Atlanta uh, and talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Where they're over under is a mere five wins. This is, this is as low as it gets in the NFL, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, them and the Houston Texans, basically. Uh, you know, th These are you're considered to be franchise drags in fact the texans are down at four and a half but yeah. it's looking pretty uh pretty ugly for the falcons yes it is yes it is i do think they're a slight step ahead uh of the texans just in terms of overall talent and uh, a, bit, a big reason for that is the presence of kyle pitts and you know you have another top 10 high upside rookie in drake london um you know you look at the, the houston skill position players and you don't necessarily have uh that level of upside but Nonetheless, I mean, this is it says a lot that this team has a, you know, a win total over under of like one and a half games lower uh, than the Carolina Panthers, who are also not in the greatest spot right now. And it is worth noting the Falcons are at five wins on DraftKings. They're at four and a half on the other three sports books that we compare uh, over at Rotowire. And like you said, if you go over to our NFL betting page on Rotowire, you can find everything, you know, laid out really, really cleanly, uh, more cleanly than you're going to find virtually anywhere else. So make sure you're checking that out. Um you know, even the five wins is shaded toward the under uh, the four and a half, 
you're basically getting even money depending on where you check, maybe slightly right. shaded toward the over, but yeah, it's, it's not ideal. It's not ideal for sure. I, I do think, you know, you look at the, the non division rotation games, you get the bears, you get the commanders and you get the chargers. One of those could be a 40 point blowout, but the other two could be borderline winnable. Yeah, exactly. Although as we saw at the chargers, what we thought might be a 40 point blow up might actually be a win. So with the, when it came to the Texans last year, yeah. so anything can happen. They all get paid on Sunday, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it's that it's not that bad. The problem for them though, is they also face the, the AFC North. Uh, yeah. They've got a game against the Niners mixed in there. They've got some pretty ugly games, even for Atlanta. They start off home against the saints at the Rams at the Seahawks home against mm-hmm. the Browns. So they get the NFC West and that's pretty ugly too. Yeah, they don't they don't have a game that you look at on paper and think, all right, this could be a win until like week eight, uh, home against Carolina. You know, the, the game at Seattle, who knows? You know, we'll, we'll see what Geno Smith looks like at that point. Right. Um, and even even week one against the Saints, you know, maybe you catch them off guard. Uh, maybe Jameis is still not 100%. Who, who knows? So like you said, it's not it's never a guarantee. You look stupid if you just say this is an automatic win in the NFL. But yeah, that's a gauntlet. That's a gauntlet to begin the year. Um, and that three game stretch from weeks five, six, and seven, where you're going at Tampa Bay, home for San Francisco, at Cincinnati, man, that that is brutal. It is. It is. Fill in the blank for me. Desmond Ritter will be playing and well, starting at quarterback for the Falcons by week. I will say by week twelve. Okay. Uh, against the, that would that would get that would get him in the lineup against the Commanders. So a long runway for Marcus Mariota. Uh, but you know, I, I think. That week twelve, that's that's the the cap of a a very winnable three game stretch where you play the Panthers, the Bears, and the Commanders. So I, I think I, what I'm envisioning is that Marcus Mariota really struggles in a game against like the two win Chicago Bears, and that's when they pull the plug. Yeah, it's interesting that he's reuniting with Arthur Smith. Smith was his yeah. offensive coordinator at Tennessee. I'm not sure that's good. <laughs> I don't think so either. Right? Like normally you talk about that as well. It's so great. He's he's repicking up the system. He he remembers the terminology. It's more like. No, this is the guy that actually didn't want him in Tennessee and somehow signed off on bringing him back here, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Cordero Patterson is probably like the least appreciated starting running back in the uh, NFL perhaps right now. He keeps sliding and sliding in in drafts that I see. Uh, RB, what is he? RB 37 right now. Uh, despite not having a, like a clear guy that unseat him, I mean, Tyler Algier could take some carries. Damian Williams could take some work. And I get the notion. The thing about Patterson is he lost carries at the end of the season. He lost work at the end of the season. Yeah. He's not a workhorse running back. He runs high. All these things are true. He's a converted receiver. Of course that that's right. the case. He is super talented still though. Yeah. It's, it's almost like the Falcons, like along with the fantasy community, like recognized how, how like strange it was that he was so productive. And they're just like, yeah. we're not going to let this happen again. Like, thank you for your service Cordero, but uh, we're, we're, you know, we're not going to put you through this uh, or put that strain on your body so we can go out there and win three games. So right. that, that kind of feels like it's been the dominant narrative. It's right. It's like, it's not like he's coming off an injury or he, he got worse in the off season. It's more just like both he and the team agreeing that it makes no sense for him to have that kind of workload. Uh, yep. And I think that's probably right. Uh, between Williams and Algier, do you have a preference, if any? Not not a strong preference, that's for sure. Um, you know, it, it feels like Algier's the, the name that's been a little more buzzworthy. You know, you, you get the could mm-hmm. contribute early on note uh, back in May, and, and that kind of sets ablaze uh, a little bit of hype. And, and everybody's always looking for production on the bad teams because they're still going to score points. 
They're still going to rush for a bunch of yards. There's, there's still going to be production there. Um, so Algiers has kind of become this buzzy name, but I, I just kind of find myself uh, avoiding this situation entirely. Yeah, I get it. I haven't, haven't drafted Patterson yet. I have drafted Drake London and I have drafted Kyle Pitts, however. Um, clear pathway to target high target share for both of them. Uh, clear upside for both of them. Have you been on board for either or both? I don't have any London yet. Uh, I'm looking in the, the Rotowire Invitational, which uh, for those of you following along intently, we're, we're moving through the middle of round seven and he's still on the board, Drake London. So I, a little bit of a fall uh, in this league, uh, not too much. You know, I, I assume he'll be one of the next receivers off the board, but you know, uh, we, we just saw someone take Sky Moore ahead of him. Uh, oh, wait, no, excuse, excuse me. me. I'm, I'm completely wrong. He, he, he went off the board four picks ago. All right. I had to refresh, uh, scratch all that from the record. Uh, Drake London went with the fourth pick in round seven. Um, but me personally, I, I have not really ended up with much, if any, uh, of Drake London shares. I'd, I'd have to double check. But I, I just, you know, we, we saw it with Kyle Pitts kind of last year where it felt like he had a great year, but the touchdown totals weren't there. It's just it's hard for me to, to see Drake London, you know, be in a situation with Marcus Mariota at quarterback where, where I look back and say, man, I, I wish I would have you know taken a chance on him. Desmond Ritter to Drake London. It's getting let's manifest this. Let's ha- make it happen. Uh, I, I uh, hope it happens. I, I like London a lot. And he's been I, I've read positive reports on him. I, I only one I only Ricky receiver I like better is Alave. Um okay. and London's got a better chance of getting a higher target share this year. He, and despite me being bigger on Alave, I think London is great at the contested pa- uh passes. Um mm-hmm. I hope that he doesn't have to have as many contested. Hopefully he can get free a little bit more, but uh you know, I, I, I think there's going to be no shortage of work for him. Um, and I just, I like the skills. I yeah. like the ability. He, he wins balls. And I think that serves him well in the goal line. Um, and I think it's an anomaly about Pitts last year. I think Pitts scores plenty of touchdowns this year. Like everybody else, and I've made the joke before, but I'm contractually obligated to go after Kyle Pitts because I'm a Rotowire representative. Uh, but late third, I got him. And I, that that's the thing is, me getting him is where I have to have a little bit, you know, little bit of fortune for him to fall to me he fell at 35 in the draft that I did for the NFFC. That's about my range for him. I'm not like high guy on pits, but yeah. I'm on, I'm, I'm big on pits. Yeah. I, from what I've seen, people have been pretty reasonable. Like every now and then you'll see, you'll see someone take him over Mark Andrews as a second tight end. I, I don't have the biggest issue with that. If, if you want to kind of be ahead sure. of the curve, um, he went 31st in, in my most recent draft. So maybe a, a little bit uh, above your range, but uh, totally fine with that. I, I think you're, you're drafting the talent. And, you know, like Greg said on the XM show today, it's like, this is the last year you're ever going to get Kyle Pitts in this range. And I, I think there's a pretty good chance he's correct. And it makes you wonder, like, where would Kyle Pitts be going if he had, you know, a top 28 quarterback in the NFL? Right. Maybe more Mariota is that guy. Maybe he just needed a real chance. I don't know. Or maybe it's Ritter or maybe it's a quarterback to be named later next year. But uh, we'll see about that. Any other parting thoughts on the Falcons before we finish up with the Panthers? Not a whole lot. I say we moved to Carolina. All right. Got Carolina on our mind. Uh, they, with their win total at uh, DraftKings is six and a half. So pretty reasonable there for, the, I mean, that actually, I think Atlanta's just as good as Carolina. So I don't know if Carolina's too high or Atlanta's too low, but I don't think Carolina's markedly better than Atlanta. No, I, I don't really think so either. I, I think, you know, if, if you could give Calvin Ridley back to the Falcons, that would maybe tip the scales for me a little bit more. I, yep. I'm with you, though. I don't, I don't think it's a game and a half difference when you're talking about uh, the win totals. Um, and, you know, much like the Giants, I, I think Carolina's futures 
very much tied to its running back. If Christian McCaffrey plays 17 games, this team could win eight or nine games. If he plays four games, they might be the worst team in the league. So uh, in some ways, I think these teams are, I wouldn't say mirror images, but you know, you have a, one good receiver that you like in DJ Moore. You have a lot of questions after that. You have, a, a, you know, obviously Carolina has a much better running back situation than Atlanta has, but Atlanta has a far better tight end situation. Uh, I, I may have spoke too soon, by the way, on the Giants when I said that their tight end situation is the biggest mess in the league because I, I think Carolina might give them a run for its money. How dare you diminish the work that Tommy Tremble and Ian Thomas are doing there? Come on. Uh, they have their partisans. At least they, Thomas did. Tremble still might. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's not great uh, as far as that goes. Uh, the big thing for them is they went out and they traded for Baker Mayfield. They did. Yep. They waited it out. Didn't have to pay a whole lot. Uh, there's an open competition between he and Sam Darnold for the job. It's described as an equal competition, although Mayfield's been getting more first team reps lately. I think it's still lip service competition. I think the job is Mayfield. I think I think so too. I, I think it's Mayfield's to lose is the way I would yeah. put it. Where I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I don't think it's right. I don't think it's like a no matter what we're starting May, Baker Mayfield, but I think it's if they play evenly in camp, we're giving the edge to Baker. We expect him to play better than Sam Darnold in camp. And mm-hmm. it sounds like that's that's basically been the case. Like he hasn't blown Darnold out of the water, but I, I think from what you read, you know, if you read the training camp reports every day, like, like you and I do, it's just a lot of the same with Sam Darnold. You know, it's, he let a goal line drill and then threw a pick at the five yard line and then was doing 15 pushups off to the side by himself. You know, like there's just, there seems to be something with Sam Darnold where he just can't quite move past those mental mistakes and it's not like Baker Mayfield doesn't have a history of, of some similar mistakes, but um, you know, as we've said a number of times, like at least with Mayfield, you can look back and say the reason, or you, you can at least make the case that the reason that he struggled last year was he was injured with Darnold. He just straight up struggled. Yeah. And you always want to make that alternate history argument. What if he weren't originally drafted by the jets and was with somebody else, but yep. Then he was Carolina, and it was just as bad. And now Carolina might be just as dysfunctional, too. I mean, Matt Rule fired his offensive coordinator in the middle of the season, said he wasn't running enough, uh, ordering enough running plays and things of that nature, and they became a really hideous team to watch down the yeah. stretch, like really like paint-drying boring. I mean, they were really yeah. bad to watch. Yeah, it's like we're, we're, not, we're not giving the ball to Chuba Hubbard enough. You're fired. I mean, just a yeah. bizarre situation. Um, but the, the Hubbard versus Deontay Foreman, you know, behind Christian McCaffrey is, is actually – kind of a low key job battle to watch, I think, because if you're someone like me who expects Christian McCaffrey to get hurt at some point, uh, you know, all of a sudden that's going to be a, a pretty valuable position. Yeah, it is. And I, I I'm, you know, I'm, I've been, we talked about on the show, I'm on the record as being, I'm a Deontay Foreman guy. I think uh, as far as that goes, uh, I like him over Hubbard and I like him maybe to steal some actual job uh, time when McCaffrey is healthy. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. He's he's a, a physical specimen. I mean, kind of a uh, Derrick Henry light in some ways. You, you look at him, you're like, this guy's a running back, and um, you know, I, I think he's I, I think he's a solid option. Obviously, he's not Christian McCaffrey, but it felt like Chuba Hubbard had his chance last year and was just woefully unimpressive. Like, did not pass the eye test for me. Agreed, agreed. So, I you and I both have concerns about McCaffrey. I mean, you got to start with him in terms of like. You know, you know, with any any Carolina discussion, I mean, he he's the number two guy on the board in a lot of places. I I'm nowhere close to taking him second. I'm deathly scared of him at second. Yeah, he's as close to a do not draft for me as it gets. You know, I mean, if if I'm picking, you know, if I'm making like my, you know, I don't know, like the 15th pick overall, and he's still on the board for whatever reason, sure, I'll take him. But I would take virtually all of the other top backs 
over him. I would take all three receivers over McCaffrey. Um, I just, I haven't even been in a position where I've considered drafting him so far. Yeah. How about DJ Moore? How about uh, Robbie Anderson? Anybody else uh, in this Carolina team that you're interested in? I like DJ Moore. I think he's really talented. I mean, he comes with the same caveat as a, as a lot of talented receivers, you know, on, on teams with shaky quarterback play where you, you just kind of worry about what kind of upside or what kind of cap that puts on his upside. Um, you know, Robbie Anderson, it's kind of touchdown or bust, you know, long plays yeah. is what you think of with him. Um, not a lot to say about the the tight end position. Obviously, I, 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 it's comical that our, our last note on Tommy Tremble, uh, the headline is finishes rookie season. Like all, that's all he did. He just, he played the, it is the your season, birthday. That was yes. It. yes exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay. That is a great reference. There we go. Now, now we're, you. we're cooking with gas here. All right. Um, yes. He finished his rookie season. He technically played in the, the last game. Um, but yeah, there's who knows, maybe, maybe one of those guys in the tight end core, you know, emerges as, as somewhat of a difference maker, but yeah, to me, it's, it's McCaffrey, it's Deontay Foreman, uh, it's Moore and Anderson. And then after that, like, I, I think I took Terrace Marshall in like the 19th round of a draft. I like Terrace but Marshall, but he's I already like hurt too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot to like at the college level. Yeah. He is already hurt. Got a, sl- a leg issue leg. And you know, it's again, yeah. very nondescript, but that's what you get in training camp. We'll get yeah, better descriptions injury. a little bit later, but yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, so over under six and f- six and a half, where are you on this? I mean, my, my first instinct is definitely under, um, you know, you, you look at the schedule, I, I believe they get the giants uh, as kind of one of their wild card games. Yep. That's week two. You're at the giants. So, you know, that's, that's not the, uh, not the most difficult opponent. Uh, you get the lions as well, uh, but then you do draw the, the Denver Broncos. So I, I don't love that. I count seven games that I would say are outwardly winnable for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, obviously you're not guaranteed to win all seven of those. Um, but you know, you get, you get two against Atlanta. That's all well and good. The problem of course, is when you're, when you're one of the bad teams in a division that we think is bad, you don't get to play yourself, you know? So they yep. don't really get the, they don't really get the benefit of playing in the NFC South because they are one of those teams that other teams want to play. Yep. It's the same with the NFC East problem. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to take the under on them. Like I said, I think Atlanta is just as good as them. So if Atlanta's at yep. five and Carolina's at six and a half, give me the under on six and a half. So uh, any other NFC South notes you want to discuss or have we thoroughly covered it? I think we, we covered it pretty thoroughly. Yeah, I agree. All right. We're going to sign off then. Uh, big thanks to uh, everybody tuning in. Thanks to uh, you know uh, the Blue Wire Network for hosting us. We got Jake and Joe tomorrow. So tune in as always. Thanks for listening to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast.